Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Your Season.life, where we are discovering and celebrating life at any age. This is a story about you, for you, from people like you. We all share a lot as we mature in life, and the journey is made even more special when we can celebrate it with someone else. This podcast series is based on living well and eating well, with Living Well podcasts featuring guests who inspire all of us to live a life soulful and rooted in a passion. Eating Well podcasts will be focused on healthy lifestyle tips, easy recipes with a plant-forward focus, and all-around wellness. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of It's Your Season.life. It is January 2023, and it is snowing outside and quite cozy, and my guest today is warm and interesting Kelly Mimier. She works with her husband to run an urban micro farm here in northern Colorado called Forever Green. And if you're not familiar with them, this is your day and your moment to learn about their fantastic business of specializing in super nutrient-dense microgreens. So help me welcome Kelly, and let's hear her story. Well, welcome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm so excited for our listeners to hear your story. Absolutely. Happy to be here. It's a snowy morning in Colorado. <laughs> it is a snowy morning in Colorado and a snuggly podcast morning. Yes. Um, so let's just get started. I'm just going to throw it over to you and uh, you can tell me just a little bit about your background as little or as much and, and where you want to get started on this. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I uh, I grew up in Cleveland. I lived all over when I was a kid. My family was from Detroit. Uh, so I kind of grew up in the Rust Belt, and uh, although we traveled all over the United States, so I kind of have connections uh, everywhere. I lived in quite a few states, but I went to college in the D.C. area and became a teacher, and mostly inner cities in D.C. and Phoenix. My first uh, my first teaching job with a master's degree paid me twenty eight thousand dollars. <laughs> that was not a lot of money uh, living in in those areas. And so I taught for about 10 years. And during that time, I met my husband and moved to Colorado. So my, my uh, professional training uh, trained me to be a teacher. And then later, I worked in medical education as well. My undergraduate was in neuroscience. And so that helped me to work in a medical environment, educating uh, recently graduated doctors. And so really just facilitating their curriculum for these docs who are fresh out of med school and uh, kind of worked in that world as well before starting my business. So tell us about that business. What are what what did what are you doing now, or what have yeah. you recently been doing? How about that? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, we have a, a micro farm business where we grow specialty produce items. They specifically microgreens, but we're also in the world of flowers and herbs and other products. And uh, microgreens are a super nutritious, um, you know, highly nutrient-dense vegetable. Uh, It's just a young vegetable, typically less than three weeks old. All the common vegetables that you think of can be grown in microgreen form. Broccoli and red cabbage are especially popular for their um, cancer prevention benefits, for a a micronutrient called sulforaphane that actively fights cancer in the body, uh, which we all are kind of carrying some you know, dysfunctional cells around. And so we got to always working to prevent (laughs) the growth of those uh, cancer cells. And so we sell them to uh, health foodies, but also um, chefs and and, um, 
So both health enthusiasts and culinary foodies. So yeah. So and the name of your business is Forever Green Farms. Is correct. Correct. Yes, that's it. Yeah. And, And for the longest time, we've lived in Colorado for 10 years. And we were just hobby gardeners. We have a beautiful, uh, small plot of of land in a rural area, kind of more of like an urban farm setup. And over the 10 years, little by little, we kind of transformed uh, a very large backyard into a farm uh, just for our own consumption, just because we love plants and we love growing and we love being outdoors. And about seven years in, we got hit by a terrible uh, hailstorm, which is not uncommon in northern Colorado. And it was just heartbreaking to stand inside the living room window, looking out at Mm. all these little baby plants just getting shredded with pellet hail. And it's just, it's like all of your hard work and sweat and tears just gone in an instant. And so we, we, uh, in the second year, it actually happened again, or I'm sorry, not the second year, it'd be the eighth year, the following year, it happened again. And I just was shocked that we had, you know, we had such smooth sailing for several years. And then all of a sudden, these two back-to-back seasons were destroyed. And the second time that it happened, the second season where our plants were all destroyed, we ran to a, a nursery. And even though we normally grow everything from seeds starting, you know, January, February, we ran to a nursery. We spent hundreds of dollars on little seedlings. We we transplanted them outdoors, just trying to re- <laughs> try to save the season, because I just didn't want to go through another season with no vegetables. And shortly after, a, a hailstorm came and destroyed those plants. <laughs> so mm. so I said, you know what? We got to learn this indoor hydroponic thing. Like I cannot lose my vegetables. They're precious to us. And so that's when we started learning about hydroponic vertical farming, which is this idea of utilizing vertical space, growing nutrient-dense vegetables, you know, um, in contrast with growing a big had a cabbage that takes, you know, six square feet of garden space, you can grow red cabbage microgreens in a teeny tiny little 10 by 20 inch tray and get the, get the same, if not better, and certainly better actually um, research suggests a better nutrient profile from these little tiny ones that you can grow right up the walls in, you know, energy conscious lighting and just a little bit of controlling the variables in the grow room and you get beautiful product and harvest year round. The, the vertical farming is fascinating. I mean, I, yes. th- I really see a lot of it is going to be the future of our food supply. You see this in the Netherlands. It's just, it's fantastic. Yes. So, and even in this region, they're they're putting up a bunch of really huge industrial farms. There's one in Denver. They're building one in Windsor. Oh. Um, and there's also one coming, I believe, to Loveland. And um, they're focusing on lettuces, like large-scale lettuce production, which will be great for the local restaurants because they rifle through lettuces like nobody's business. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think they'll leave the microgreens to the specialty farmers like us. <laughs> <laughs> so well, we hope anyway. <laughs> but so otherwise... And I want to come back to you because others, I love the name of your farm, Forever Green. And I think of the teaching profession as a very kind of evergreen profession. It's one of those professions people, you know, think they're going to be a nurse forever. They're going to be a teacher forever, an attorney, a physician. There are those that that I would call like evergreen professions. Yeah. But you went in a different direction. And... What was what was that? Tell, tell us how you, you you 
made that pivot? How, what was going on at the time? Yeah, sure. So, so after um, those consecutive hailstorms, we got into the vertical farming. We were loving it for ourselves, and for for several years, as we're growing so much vegetables, and it, it becomes like a joke of, you know, leaving bags of vegetables on people's doorsteps, you know, ringing the doorbell and running away, like just trying to <laughs> trying to to use up the harvest and not let it go to waste because we were growing such abundant yields. Um, we would always think about doing the farmer's market and we knew friends that had farmer's market stands and we'd say, can we, can we sell some of you, our stuff at your stand just because we have so much. And, you know, this is zucchini, which would cost a dollar a pop, you know, at a farmer's market. It was just a kind of fun little thing. So we had always talked about doing farmer's markets with the abundance. And once we mastered the indoor microgreen growing, we just were set on the idea of like, sharing it with other people. And, and at no point were we thinking we're going to quit our jobs. I was working uh -huh. in medical education and my husband was working in construction and full-time in construction is, you know, 55 hours a week plus. And, you know, I was working full-time. And so we just thought of it as a side hustle. We said, let's go to the Saturday market. You know, like, what are we doing anyways? It'll be fun. We go to the farmer's market every week anyway. Let's just set up a table there. It'll be fun. And it was not even about the money. It was just about, let's talk about vegetables with people. Let's, let's hang out, you know, like, it'll just be a fun avenue. So we really went into it with a true, like, side hustle mentality. And we decided in 2019 to to just do this as a side hustle. Not even, I think most people go into side hustles just with dollar signs in their eyes. Not even like that. Like we just were like, we got we got vegetables and so we got nothing to do on Saturday. So let's go. <laughs> so we we went into it with that mentality. We got really excited. We we invested a small amount of money into a table and a tent and et cetera. And then we, we formed our LLC in January of 2020. And we were very optimistic about the 2020 farmer's market season. That was going to be our big debut. Oh, and my. <laughs> of course, COVID made its debut. And uh, and so, but we, the, the farmer's market folks were great. They pushed, you know, pushed through. They did not cancel the markets. They did the social distancing and they were open like normal and, you know, crowds maybe were a little smaller than, than normal, but that was okay with us because we weren't relying on this income um, necessarily. We were okay with just kind of a slow, slow flow of people getting to chit chat with people about vegetables and strengthen people's immune systems and all that fun stuff. So yeah, we got into it right at the same time as COVID. <laughs> and it was, truly was just a side hustle. But despite all that, it was so successful. We were forced to face the the music, which was, this is starting to make more money for us than our real jobs, <laughs> than oh, our right. actual mm -hmm. jobs. And mm -hmm. quickly we were faced with this decision of, are we going to dedicate um, more time to, you know, if, if we cut down our hours of, of regular, uh, of our, of our day, what do you call it? Nine to five jobs, right? If we cut down on our hours, then maybe we could put a little bit more emphasis into this side hustle and see where it goes. So my husband started kind of cutting back on his construction hours. I started cutting back on mine and little by little, we fully had quit our jobs in, in 18 months after our first sale. Maybe not even that much. I think our first sale was let me think. Let me do the math here. So 
first sale would have been May 2020, and we quit our jobs in September of 2021. So it's actually more like 15 months we quit our jobs. So yeah. So that's a fantastic ramp up. So what do you think, you know, we think about business and creating entrepreneurial and, and so forth and all the marketing plans, and I might be editing this out. I don't know. So I'm trying to wordsmith this a little sure. bit. But Thinking about, and this is your time to brag, um, what do you think made it successful? Was it the supply chain? Was it how, what, what, what made you unique and, and so desirable? How about that? Sure. Yeah. I mm. think the two things that come to mind are that we, um, when, when everything was slow in the spring of 2020, like we had filed our LLC, we had made a small investment of money into preparing for the farmer's market season. Then COVID hit and we just kind of looked at each other like, well, what are we supposed to do now? We just spent all this money on, on this and no big deal, Like, but but uh, hopefully they'll still do the farmer's market. Let's see if we get accepted. And we just kind of had some free time, like I think everybody did in early 2020, uh, just uh, anxious, uh, anxious free time. <laughs> and we learned about a local entrepreneurship program, a accelerator program. And it involved uh, matching you with mentors and providing some business education. And neither my husband or I have any background in business. Like literally, we are, have just been employees of, of other businesses <laughs> uh, up to that point. I've never taken a business class. Um, my, my undergrad was a kind of a world famous economics school. So they forced me to take economics as part of the the degree path to be a teacher. And I, I just barely got through that class because it was very rigorous at, at the university I went to, but no business classes. And, um, and so we, we decided to do this kind of business education accelerator mentorship program because we thought, well, well you know, I guess Let's ask them what we should do. We don't know what to do about this COVID thing. Let's ask these more experienced uh, entrepreneurs what they would do and how how they would pivot. And so we got involved in this program. Again, just a lot of education, a lot of networking with other types of businesses, learning from what other people were pivoting, you know, how other people were pivoting. And uh, just through those connections, that kind of helped us stick with it, where I think a lot of other people would have just thrown in the towel, uh, no judgment on their character, just, just based on the circumstances. I think most people would have just thrown in the towel and gone back to uh, their work from home jobs. But we had these amazing uh, mentors. So I would say to answer your question, a huge part of it is networking and mentor seeking mentors and, and becoming um, educated in business just through community based business accelerator type programs, which are actually everywhere. You know, if you just look in your just Google your county and business uh, education. There's all sorts of free resources available nationwide. And and the other thing is that, you know, I work uh, with my husband. It's my husband and I. And sure. early on, we just discovered a, a wonderful division of labor based on our unique talents. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I would never entrust my husband to do anything computer related or accounting related. Um, so I handle all those pieces, but I just knew he's just so... Um, 
wonderfully socially connected with people. He's the type of person that remembers everybody's name, you know, six years later, hey, didn't I see you at this golf course that one time? And and, and so knowing that that that's his real, uh, you know, God-given talent, <laughs> it, it made more sense to put him out uh, in the front at the farmer's market and with customer acquisition and um, people just love connecting with him. And so we just kind of learned early on our strengths and and I think that that's a huge part of our success. What what a nice complimentary blend. You know, I think <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of couples out there or two people that even just want to work together have to think about, you know, what are our complementary skills and yeah. where are differences on that. So it's it's ideal that you all discover that you each have individual strengths yeah. to bi- to build this business in 18 months, really? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, so it's just kind of being being real with yourself and you know, we've been married um, for almost 10 years. So it's, I think we kind of, <laughs> we kind of figured each other out by now a little bit at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and you're a teacher. So, and I'm sure there's other teachers that might be like, oh, I, I kind of would like to do something else, but you know, how, yeah, how do you do that? But, you know, what was it like transitioning from something to, that you know you go to and you know exactly what your routine is going to be every day and what was the transition to being a, an entrepreneurial business owner like for you yeah i would say that you know when i was a a teacher in the traditional sense in the classroom um it was very much so a situation where i was so maxed out like every other teacher i don't i don't know a single teacher um that is not maxed out, to be honest. It's a sad state of affairs in the United States. I knew many teachers who had side hustles, and they were passion projects. I, teachers who were into fashion, had uh, you know clothing lines or, mm-hmm. or, or fashion blogs or something like that. Or teachers that were really into fitness would be selling, you know, fitness-related products and things like that. And I think that that was, you know, sort of serves two purposes. You blow off some steam and you also generate some funds on the side. But for me, truly, it was it was transitioning to the medical environment, um, medical mm. office environment, educational environment there, which was much more um, work-life balance focused. Um, because of course, doctors have somehow, you know, doctors have, have a wild workload just like teachers do, but they, they've mastered the work-life balance and and somehow the teachers just get put more and more on their plate every week, <laughs> every day <laughs> and it never ends. And so, um, so I think to, to answer your question, it really was, I took this essentially a pay cut when I went into the medical environment just for my own sanity, because I was maxed out after working so long um, in the classroom. I wish I could have stayed. I know many people who are lifers and I loved, I loved teaching, but for me, it was first baby step was transitioning to like kind of a traditional office setting and getting the work-life balance piece back. And Uh then it became, then I, then it became, you know, a a year or two later uh, or so, Hey, I think I have the time to take something else on. And so I don't think I could have started this business while teaching. In fact, I know I couldn't (laughs) because I was maxed out. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes they say you're so far in the forest, you don't see the trees. And when you pull yourself out and take pause, you know, sometimes that clarity 
comes, maybe it, yes. it is transitioning to another, a, a different role. Sometimes it's just, you know, taking pause and not doing anything for a while, yeah. just, to, just to kind of let the brain settle in yeah. and see opportunities and discovery. Yeah. And when I took that first um, job in the medical environment, you are not going to believe this, but it was a pay cut. So when I decided to leave teaching, it was actually a really scary decision um, because that, that was everything I had known. That's everything that my education had prepared me for. Again, I'm, I'm, I grew up in the Rust Belt. My, my family worked in auto factories. You know, you hold on to your job and you be happy about it and you don't complain about it. <laughs> and that's kind of what I was taught. And so, um, so when I uh, made that transition, um, it, the, the first position I took in the healthcare system paid $13 an hour. And I was like, are we going to be okay? You know, Colorado cost of living. Yikes. Are we going to be okay? I took it. My, my husband, um, you know, worked a few extra hours for me to make that transition. And then finally I got into the position that paid a, a little bit more middle, middle range uh-huh. for me. So anyway, there's, there was the financial stress of leaving um, mm. a stable job where you get, you know, annual raises and starting over in careers. There and, and it's it's different person to person. Some people are are um, adventurous and not very risk averse, and they just they're ready to jump in and change their life. And and that really was not my <laughs> personality. Change has always been a little hard for me. I just get really comfortable with stability and routine. And um, so yeah, we've we've shaken things up, and it all worked out in the end for us for sure. <laughs> no, and sometimes you take you you have to take to take that leap a little bit I know even I'm just talking about me for a moment and I just I may edit this out but I, I actually wanted to get into human resources so bad from being on the clinical side yeah. that I did take a pay cut because I knew it was going to be skill development for me later to do the what I really want to do is was leadership training and development so you know sometimes if you can do it if you can yes prepare for it or just for lack of a better word, suck it up and do it, you know, be able to take that pay cut because you can see in the future, this is what you need. Yeah. So, you know, what are you doing every day that's going to get you to where you want to go kind of thing. So, yeah, absolutely. um, So what would you say? So when we think about entrepreneurial skills and future and so forth, what would you say are skills or attributes, characteristics that you brought with you from your other careers, but then you also maybe had to develop to be successful? Sure. I think, um, I think, you know, a famous phrase for teachers is that, you know, your your hair's on fire and you're constantly putting out fires around the classroom. I used to joke with people because I taught junior high. It's like, I'm trying to teach algebra. This kid's stabbing that kid with a pencil. This this, <laughs> this kid's trying to take photos of the girl across the room. I mean, it's just chaos. And you're just trying to teach these high-level uh, academic skills. And the kids uh, sometimes mentally are... are um, out to lunch uh, due to hormones, et cetera. <laughs> and so um, I think I took over this, this idea of, you know, it's um, being an entrepreneur, there's always, there's always something that needs addressing and, and you have to prioritize every day. You can make your schedules and routines as 
tight as you want, but um, something's going to pop up. Somebody's going to need a delivery early. Somebody's going to cancel. Somebody's going to change. You're going to have to shift the the, the plans that you had for the day. Something more urgent is going to pop up. An employee is going to call in sick, etc. And so it's just this idea of, you know, go with the flow. Um, be just be on your toes and don't be too rigid uh, for sure. So that's something that I carried over from teaching because, you know, best laid plans, you know, will, will go awry. So, um, but I, I also think people skills are a huge factor and just connecting with people, adding value to their lives. Um, and, and, you know, the customer, customer first um, type of, approach um, is really the key to success in business. I see so many people making decisions that are best for the business owner, um, but not taking into account how that affects the customer. So we we always are thinking about what makes it easier on them, even if it inconveniences us to a, a certain extent, what makes it easier on the customer. So yeah. Yeah. And you deliver. So that's amazing customer yeah. service. I think, yeah, uh, I don't know who all delivers, but that's your model, isn't it? Is to yes. deliver... Yeah. Yeah. And we just thought about us as customers, what we would want. And um, sure, we love the farmer's market, but we just found that our customers love this delivery model. It just shows up at the door. We avoid single use plastics by doing reusable totes that we can uh, exchange each week. At the farmer's market, we had to get creative. We were using cardboard boxes that were compostable. And, you know, it's still a single use cardboard, even though it is going to break down in the landfill on like plastics. So, so we just found the whole model just worked better if we just drop them off. And since we're going everywhere anyway, you know, it's, we, we basically go through every neighborhood <laughs> in, in the local cities. And so we just found, open it up to more customers and just plug it into Google maps. And here we go. That's, <laughs> so, that's amazing. It really yeah. is. That, that was uh I really like that model and it was nice to have it delivered to my door and I didn't have totally. to do anything with things afterwards. Yeah, and it goes exactly. with your whole name is like forever green. So you've yes. got to be as green as possible in all aspects of your, of your, of your business. Totally. Um, what is something valuable that was needed that maybe you didn't realize at the time? Yeah, I would, I would say that our, um, our mentors, you know, I think, uh, not to sound smug or something, but I think that I uh, originally I was like, you know, we're doing something so unique here. Like, where are we going to find a mentor that would really understand this unique thing that we're doing? We're uh -huh. we're creating our own business model and it's vertical farming. And even if we had a mentor in the traditional farming space would they really be able to understand this unique thing that we're doing? And that's kind of, that was my attitude a little bit. So when I learned about this program, I was signing up um, for, you know, I was excited for the educational piece. I was like, this will be great. We need the vocabulary. We need the, the uh, business principles. And I had no idea how much we would benefit from having mentors, even though the mentors that we connected with and are still connected with, they're all in different fields. They're in mm -hmm. IT. They are, um, two of them are, well, actually all three of them are in IT when I think about it broadly, uh, just different aspects. Some are in sales, uh, hardware sales. Others are in uh, software development and others are in kind of web SEO um, stuff. And um, it's so funny. And I, like I said, I thought, oh, these people can't really help us. We're in farming. What are they, you know, but they have been so valuable. So something that I didn't know that we needed was 
mentors and just really opening your mind and, and considering that folks, no matter what their experience, you know, when you open up your business model and you share with them and you, um, they can really give you some fabulous advice just thinking outside the box. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we think of, you know, cat, I'm being a little philosophical here, but we always think of people pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and doing yeah. things all by themselves. But the reality is there's a lot of mechanics that go to networking mechanics and people mechanics that make businesses successful, that whole networking yes. piece and mentoring piece. That's, no, and that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's 100% my personality too. You know, I graduated with my master's degree when I was 21. I did it all myself. I signed myself up for college. And, you know, I just, I've always just figured everything out on my own uh, from a young age, really. And so like, th that's just kind of how I go into things is just, I'll figure this out by myself. I'll Google it myself. You know, <laughs> I don't need any help. And, and I really realized, wow, th these mentors have been invaluable to us. And I'm so glad I, I let them into our world, so to speak. And I, I think everybody needs to look at themselves and see if you're, if you're like me, where you think you can figure it all out by yourself, maybe welcome in some other um, points of view. Yeah, because feedback is really a gift, you know, yeah. and um, I think it's very underestimated and, and it, you know, a good critique is always helpful, but it's hard yeah. to take sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, so I would say the mentors are the biggest piece. And sure. uh, I think every everyone going into business, no matter what stage you're at, I mean, I would still welcome more mentors, bring them on. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you would have done differently? I mean, y'all ramped up fast, so I'm not sure there is, but just yeah. anything you might've done differently, uh, hindsight being 2020? Gosh, I mean, it seems so silly that I can't really think of anything that we do differently. I mean, the transition from uh, for, for both my husband and I quitting our jobs, that was a little, a little bit rocky because what we did not anticipate is we quit our jobs in the fall and winter it is uh, slows down a little bit for us, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so it was scary being a numbers person, looking at the Excel spreadsheet of our sales and watching month by month, the sales go down immediately after we quit our jobs. So psychologically, <laughs> it was difficult for me to see this, this minute drop. So I, I almost think like if, if we, there was a period of stress there where by January, I was like, we have had four months of decreasing numbers. What have we done? Maybe we should go back to our jobs. And I think that that's normal. I think everybody has a, a freak out moment. But then it turned right around in February. January is our slowest month. We just took a vacation. Although, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, it would have been nice to not have this uh, minor panic as we watched our sales decrease through the natural, um, you know, dip in our sales as we moved into the winter. And that's just due to some of our, um, some of our customers are caterers that do wedding seasons, et cetera, that it's kind of from there. We actually get more home subscribers that want the benefits of the vegetables in the winter. But um, we just had this minute dip from September, October, November, December, just a tiny slowdown. And it, um, it would have been nice to avoid that. But I'm actually happy that we stuck through it. And we learned that I, I honestly don't think I would change it. But that's what comes to mind is that it was uh, it 
I, I don't think it's ever easy 100% quitting your jobs um, to go full time, full time uh, self employment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have a question. Is, uh, what I want to ask is kind of what I think you're always thinking out of the box as an entrepreneur, and what is what's, what is maybe the most one of the most unusual uh, customers that you didn't expect? Maybe. Sure. Uh, yeah. Let me think about that for a second. Because um, I'm like caters and weddings. I was not on my radar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, and so uh, an unexpected. Uh, what might be an unexpected uh, consumer or customer that you didn't expect in as you were in your growth or in your business using your products? Maybe uh, we typically think of our customer base as as um, part part partially health enthusiasts and partially foodies. Okay. So we have all sorts of customers that put on dinner parties and they want our product just because they're having their friends over for these upscale dinners. Uh, they're not even professional chefs or caterers, you know, they're just, just people who love food. We do have professional chefs and caterers, of course. And then we, we have a ton of just health enthusiasts where we grow um, these cruciferous varieties because the people who've read the research know that it is legit. And uh, I would say the person that stands out the most to answer your question was someone approached us saying that they were climbing all of Colorado's 14ers and they had read research. This is a, like an elite extreme athlete. And they had read research suggesting that the, the micronutrient content of, of cruciferous vegetables um, it was very good for lung health, which that's commonly accepted that all sorts of lung conditions improve with um, high doses of sulforaphane and um, these cruciferous micronutrients. But he said that there was specific research that it helps um, with high altitude exertion. And I was like, that this is new to me. <laughs> this is really cool. So he wanted microgreens to climb the 14ers. So he was buying them from us when he was uh, in this region of the state. Um, to climb the 14ers. And I thought that that was pretty cool. I was that this is new extreme athletes. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was one that we had not um, did a customer segment analysis of. <laughs> that That's fascinating. I'm going to look that yeah. one up. And yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah. So we have just a few minutes left. What, what do you see for your future, Kelly? What's going on there? Yeah, well, we are um, blessed with uh, two excellent employees, and one of them is uh, who's been with us the longest for almost two years, um, right from the beginning, right from the, our first farmer's market. She was uh, asking if she could work for us, and, I, and we just looked, my husband and I looked at each other said, I don't, I don't think we're ready for this. <laughs> we were not prepared for that, but um, she came back in a few months, and we, we actually needed her then, and we got her a job at that point. But she is a horticulture student at Colorado State University, and she's graduating in May. And I'm actually having um, a baby in April or May. And so this, this timing is just perfect for us <laughs> because sure. she is going to move. She's going to move into a uh, more full-time um, hours with us. Although she's, she's been uh, steady with us, like I said, for almost two years, part-time while she's going through her classes. And she's actually with us at, at the moment. I'm um, getting, getting the broccoli microgreen seeded as we speak. <laughs> oh, so yeah. yes. And so um, this coming season, 
season, uh, we're here in the winter, this coming season, um, she's going to be graduating from school and it's going to give us so much extra time with her and her horticulture expertise in hydroponics and flower cultivation. And we're really um, going to work with her to expand our product line. We've already been doing this on a small scale. It's kind of uh, hush hush, but, <laughs> but we're going to be expanding into all sorts of uh, unique products with her help. And so we've got a greenhouse and, and she's with her, with her extra hours. Um, it's actually just about time to get a bunch of these seeds started um, here in January, February uh, for the springtime. So we've just got, it's just, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, everything slows down a little bit in growing in general in Colorado, but it actually uh, for the, for the pros like us, I guess it's, t it's go time because we're getting all the seeds started and getting the heaters in the greenhouses right now. <laughs> so you use a word that I really appreciate and I hear it in your voice as well. And that is abundance mm -hmm. and you use that word. And so is there a particular, what are your thoughts on just abundance in your life? What is it's kind of philosophical, I know, but I hear it in your voice. I hear it in your in what you do, and yeah, abundance. What is that? What is that, yeah. Kelly? <laughs> totally. Yeah, we. I think that um, it's been uh, characteristic of the past few years that you know my husband and I we've put in work into projects, whether it just be our home garden or this business or new products that we're working on. And the yield is so much greater than we even expect. So so that's kind of my thought on abundance is you if you just put in the work, you know, if you just find the time and put in the work and don't don't spend all, you know, I think people spend so much time second guessing and talking themselves out of trying things. And uh, I, I definitely think everyone's just sucked into their phones and social media and stuff. And you can just waste hours and hours and hours a day on there. Um, and if instead you just kind of thought about what you want to do and put some effort towards it, you might find that you get huge yields in, in reply or in, in response to that effort. Again, to me, it's um, it goes back to something I mentioned earlier, which is when we started the business and when we started doing this it, it was not even about money it was not it was just like it was just hey we have the time and we love doing this so let's see what happens and i i tell my husband all the time if we had gone into our business thinking we hate our jobs and we've got to get out and this is desperation and all or nothing put every ounce of 24 7 spend all the money you got to do this there's no other option you know, that desperation mentality is going to not get you very far, I don't think. Uh, I think there's a fine line between um, between doing something that you that you enjoy and um, and then or, or turning that into something that's just another job. That's just, <laughs> you know, just another thing that you are obligated to do type of thing. So, um, but yeah, I, I think we think about abundance as if you just put in the work, um, then then you can expect you know yields often that are greater than you that than one would expect. Uh, that's kind of rambly there, but <laughs> no. And I threw that I threw that out, but you, you said it again in your in, earlier, and it just it really spoke to me. So I just wanted you to yeah. speak about it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, what is uh, anything anything you'd like to closing comments you'd like to leave the audience with? 
Um, yeah, you know, I would just say that um, if other people are thinking about starting a business, you know, every everyone's path is so unique. And, you know, just as I said, like, we didn't really go into this thinking about money or thinking about quitting our jobs. And it just so happened that we quit our jobs. We just kind of came to a, a, a point where we had no other option and we just had to. And, and that was wonderful. And we are so happy that it worked out this way. But I would just say every every business is unique. And one of the biggest pitfalls I see is, is um, people investing so much money in something right off, right before they have done any market research, before they have made a single sale before they've done a single survey of of anyone who's not a friend or family member to see if anybody actually wants to buy it. Um, I see a lot of people sinking a lot of money in businesses because I think um, I think entrepreneurship is on the rise and gig economy and all this stuff is inspiring people to start businesses, which I think is amazing. But I would just emphasize that when we did it, we are extremely frugal. Again, I grew up in the Rust Belt and I mentioned um, the types of salaries I'd received before. So I have always been extremely frugal and I would just encourage people to not sink tens of thousands of dollars into a business before you've made your first sale because I see it all the time. And in fact, many people reach out to us who have tried to start microgreen businesses and spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment. And then they want us to buy it from them because their business did not work out. And now they're stuck with the credit card bill and they want us to buy it for them at cost. And we say, nope, we're good. <laughs> we got enough. Or sometimes we will get uh, things at a deep discount, which is nice. But it's it's uh, kind of heart-wrenching to see the amount of money people put up front just on a whim. Maybe they had an extra cup of coffee that morning and uh, pulled out their credit card and racked up a bunch of debt before the market research was done. So I would just say always go in cautiously and start so small. Start small and let it let it grow organically. That is that is great recommendation for yeah. for anyone thinking about you know uh, you know starting a business, starting a product, creating a product. Yeah. yeah, start small and scale up. That is really great recommendation. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, how if people want to connect with you, Kelly, tell us how they can connect with you. Sure. Yeah. So our website is forevergreen.farm, and um, that has a little bit more information about our business. If you're local to Colorado, obviously we're a regional based business, but um, even if you just want to connect with us on social media, I'm really active on Instagram posting a couple times a week um, and it's at forevergreen.farm. And then uh, everything on there gets shared to face Facebooking. Uh, <laughs> but yes. but Instagram, we can keep up with what's new, what's happening. Yeah, totally. Uh, maybe about the baby that's coming too. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Congratulations yeah. on being yeah. a new mom. That's going to just, that's going to be a whole new adventure. Yes, so, it's going to be fun. <laughs> no doubt it's going to be fabulous. Well, thank mm -hmm. you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. So that's a wrap for today. We've so enjoyed you being with us. I hope you learned something new, got some inspiration, and you are ready to move forward with your own new season. Remember, we are living life at any age. Take some time to visit the other social media sites. Give us some feedback. Shoot me an email on Facebook. And remember, until then, stay safe and keep on living. Cheers.
Cheers. Cheers.